So hello and welcome to ep- so hello and welcome to episode twenty eight of the Salad Cast with myself, Glenn Price, and I'm joined as usual by Ollie Warner. How are you, Ollie? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm very good. Oh, Got very a cup of tea, good. couple of, couple of Jaffa cakes. Looking forward to the pod. <laughs> That's the nicest way to start it, isn't it? I mean, yes, I think we've we've got lots to talk about. Obviously, we've got a Gillingham game on uh, Tuesday night, and then a, a fantastic performance and trip to London for a lot of Salopians. But yeah, I, I mean, you sort of, before we get into it, we just got back today. Haven't we? Well, I got back today. You got back yesterday. But it's been a very long week and a, and a very long sort of series of travel down to London and back. So um, we've got to keep the levels high here, Ollie. Otherwise, I might fade away if it gets too late. That's why I got the Jaffa cakes, bit of carbs to keep me going. But um, yeah, no, it's been a long week. I obviously missed the um, Gillian game, being in Northumberland. Drove finally six thousand Friday, and then got the train to London. So yeah, a lot of travelling. Um, but um, yeah, Saturday was fantastic. So yeah, looking forward to um, getting onto that. I the Gillian game, I listened to. Um, um, I follow Shropshire Radio, which is good. Watch the extended highlights back, but I'll let you lead us through that one. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't obviously it wasn't quite as fun as the Saturday game, <laughs> that's for sure. But yeah, like you, I mean, I didn't do six hours in the car, but on the way to um, on the way to the game on Saturday, I went via train, Dockland Light Railway, the Emirates Airline cable car over the Thames, and then on a horrendous you know red London bus all the way there. Plus, having driven down to London, so I think I've you know combined five different transport modes on Saturday, which was uh, when you get a result like that and you've had a, an it's absolute mission. Yeah, when you've had a mission like that, it <laughs> makes it even worth it, even more worth it, doesn't it? And then by the time the game finished, I couldn't be bothered to get a bus again. I just made the kids walk all the way back to Greenwich where we were staying that night. So yeah, there <laughs> we go. So it, it has been fantastic, hasn't it? Just to, to get back to winning ways, and then we can talk about the away form and yeah, lots to dig into this week, Ollie. So we'll, we'll get straight into the matches. Cold. Good ball through with the chance for 3 2. Pike goes around the keeper and he scores! Unbelievable! 2 0 down at half time! But now they're 3 2 up and it's Sonny Kaikai! So, Tuesday night, Shrewsbury 1, Gillingham 1, 4,800 fans. Mm-hmm. We'll come on to that. Yeah, we will. Uh, so stats. Um, so obviously, um, form is not so good at home at the moment. So this is mm. a stat you pull together, Glenn. So obviously, two points from four games, um, which is very poor considering uh, how well we've been doing at home all season and what a fortress the meadow has been. And then there was the so the, the team selection. Um, I think everyone was kind of a little bit puzzled um, when the team came out. Um, everyone thought, you know, has um, Sadler been dropped for Beckles? Where's he going to play? Is he going to play centre back? Yeah. Um, so it was a lot of us kind of like. Yeah, I was on Twitter. I had my little laptop ready. Had the um, the radio on. Becky was <laughs> happy to hear listen to Shropshire Radio. Um, she really loves listening to Stuart Dunn and the guys. So yeah, we we're uh, in Northumberland listening to the game, and yeah, it's quite fun actually. Sometimes listening to the game because obviously you got your laptop there, you can follow Twitter and see what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there was a new formation. So not a new formation. The same formation we played at West Ham. Mm-hmm. Away and a few other games in the in we played in the in Checker Trade. So we played the kind of Chelsea style, three at the back, four across the middle, um, and then Worley um, and Thomas supporting um, Morris up front with um, Bolton, Toto, Beckles in the back three. Hendry is a right wing back, Godfrey a go go central midfield, and Lope and left wing back. Yep. Um, so yeah, decent lineup. Um, it's worth noting is there's two kind of things to kind of mention in terms of the squad. One is illness cold man flu um has hit the squad yeah we um, talked about it last really... week didn't we i think it got worse over the week yeah it did um so nolan was hit um quite a few of the uh, um the first team players were hit godfrey and gogo were the only two fit central midfielders um so that's why we went for this formation and it's worth noting that in the post-match hertz did say that sadler was dropped yeah, and that was the most interesting thing, I think. I think because Bryn Morris would have played and he said Bryn was sick as well. So that was a bit unfortunate for him because he would have got another go, wouldn't he? But um, yeah, sadly getting dropped. I mean, it was probably just the first point there before we get into the game. I, 
yeah, kind of in. I listened to the post match interview, and we always talk about that later, didn't we? And it was he was very clear that he'd been dropped and didn't think he'd been to his levels. But I don't know. I thought it'd been a bit harsh, really, because Sadler had been probably up against the three most difficult to mark, physical, difficult strikers in sort of the one, three of the last sort of four or five games. You know, Bristol Rovers away. Um, I think the Doncaster game as well wasn't there, and certainly the Rotherham game. So I don't know. It felt a little bit harsh to me, but. There's another reason for it, isn't there? It sort of shakes things up and makes exactly. sure, you know, no one's resting on their laurels. So, uh, you know, I think it was an area he could make that decision, wasn't he? He could correct. drop someone, bring in, you know, Toto, uh, Bolton, Toto, and Beckles. It's pretty solid back three. Yeah, yeah, they didn't do too bad. Yeah, but, but they, in yeah, terms yeah. of their ability as well, I mean, they're you know three good players to come in. So, yeah, it didn't weaken the team, um, and he could make his point at the same time. And we'll come back to Sadler later on when we talk about Charlton, yeah. because, Jesus, if he wanted a reaction, he was immense. So, um, <laughs> yeah, there we go. So, yeah, I think everyone was sort of settling in to see how we'd, we'd line up, really. And um, I think the first thing to note is something, again, Paul Hurst mentioned in his post-match interview, and we will talk about it in a bit more detail later on. But I, I noticed, I, I went back and looked at my Twitter account, and I put... Jesus, it is flat in the meadow tonight. It came out. We came out to almost sort of muted applause. It was very, very strange. Um, and it, and it, and and you can see why Paul Hurst picked up on it from minute one because you'd have thought we'd, you know, still trying to keep top and and all of those sorts of things that we, we will talk about. It it was very odd. So anyway, I, it was a very flat start and. Um, yeah, it was odd. Tommy has got some boos and claps, which was quite interesting. I was interesting. going to ask you about that. How did it, kind of, obviously, you can't really pick that up on the radio. Uh, yeah, I thought he'd just get all boos, like he has done. I think he maybe we played against him. Oh, yeah, before, we, but... we spoke about this on Twitter, didn't we, at the time? Yeah, yeah. Because I guess, yeah, and I said, um, and I, I can't take credit for this, um, I am just literally repeating what Stuart Dunn said, uh, that he scored six goals in ten games for us, which he is did. a good record in that one season, which is also why it's, I guess, why... And your reaction is he's so annoyed because he was so rubbish the second time he came. It was, yeah. It was, but yeah, it's very strange, isn't it? Some people appreciate that first stint, and some people hate him for that second stint. So there you go. You get the mixed mixed reaction. But um, yeah, there we go. I mean, yeah, the game started. Um, yeah, it was pretty even from the start. To be honest with you, Ollie, uh, all in all, I thought, um, as you just said, then we could yeah. afford to drop Sadler, and, and the defenders looked pretty solid from the start. Um, we settled into that, you know formation even though we don't play it too much we looked solid from the off and it looked like it wasn't really a game where we conceded a lot of goals and, and Hendry and Lowe were doing their best to get forward but they were sitting quite deep I thought in the in the start of the game so we certainly set up a little bit I think in a, in a you know let's not you know toss away an early goal and be trying to get back in the game it was a very structured and, and sort of well-reasoned approach to, to starting the game I thought so yeah it was, it was an even start Ollie and um yeah, we, we, you know, obviously we, we got the early goal as well from the back of it, which helped. But um, yeah, I, I suppose that's what I wanted to say about the defence. So, um, so how did we kind of play? Was it what was our you know kind of were we passing very well, or how was the team kind of playing? Uh, it's, it's tricky. I think it's a game of two halves. If you want to look o- over it, we played much better in the first half than the second half. Um, certainly the first half we played better than we did against um, Rotherham the previous Saturday where we were pretty awful weren't we um, I know you missed that game as well but yeah we... I know I, I seem to have missed the games I, I came back for Charlton and we win 2-0 so I don't you know our drive was sort of back a little bit and um, and, and the passing was a little bit crisper I think and, and I think the, the structure you say that formation meant that we weren't giving ourselves so many sort of people to chase it was much more you could come and break us down if you didn't want to win this game. Otherwise, we're going to try and play on the break like we usually do, but with a little bit of a different lilt to it. So, yeah, I don't think we were playing bad in the first half. And, um, yeah, it had been an even start to the game. I think the goal that we got was was a good time to get the first goal, really. You know, 40 minutes into a game is, is a cracking time to score. And um, we've been talking about this for weeks now, Ollie. It, it was going to happen at some point. I kept saying when he scores, it was going to be a, a stunning 40-yarder, didn't I? But um, <laughs> it wasn't quite that good. But, yeah, a go-go scored. Amazing. Yeah, did you hear what Paul Hurst said about um, a go-go's goal? Yeah, go on. He said he scored with a tackle. 
<laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Which I thought was really funny. But no, it was great for him to get a, get a, get a goal. And it was funny, um, Stuart Dunn was so ecstatic about the goal, about a go-go scoring, that I expected it to be a bit of a worldie. And mm. then when I watched it on the highlights, it wasn't. Um, but obviously, just um, Stuart was obviously just really happy for the player and happy for us to score. But um, yeah, yeah, it was quite funny. The goal wasn't what I expected. No, it's, it, yeah, he, he's been unlucky in a couple of recent games, hasn't he, with shots and stuff. So I'm glad he's got one, actually, because he has been getting forward and, and had deserved a goal for some of the sort of build-up play and, and shots he'd had in the last few weeks and yeah I think it was, it was a good goal some really nice play by the, the wingers particularly Wally who started the whole thing and then Thomas again with, with a nice assist um, yeah and as I say for, I, I actually listened to it it was the first time that Ogogo had scored since April 2016 which is the first time he, he'd scored a league goal under Hurst which is mad really when you, when you think about how long Hurst has been here now but yeah good good, good build up all in all and yeah decent, decent enough finish you know close in so that was fine, and you know we went one one up, Ollie, and uh, you know it'd been an even game. You thought get the first goal. This isn't going to be hopefully not like last last Saturday. Let's try and build on it, and um, yeah, the game sort of descended into a kind of not stationary period, but there was just a lot of play in the midfield. Both teams had a lot of possession in the first half. Um, you know, I'd say if anything, we were slightly controlling the game, but they certainly had their moments, and they certainly had a lot of the ball. Um, and yeah, and I say we played much better than than we did on the previous Saturday, and we we did look a little bit at times like we were going to get the second because there were a couple of moments where I, I looked at Gillingham and I thought they didn't seem like they were hundred percent up for it. They looked because they bit, were a team in form, weren't they? Yeah, they were odd. They they seemed half arsed at one point, um, particularly maybe about a half hour period. I thought we'll beat this lot. They they look like they've sort of you know, long journey on a Tuesday almost. night. Yeah, they they'd gone in on themselves a little bit, which was weird. And we just couldn't get that second goal. I think the second goal would have killed the game off Ollie at that point. If we'd have got one before half time, two 0 at half time, I don't I didn't see Gillingham coming back from that. And um a bit unfortunate. Um Thomas had a deflected shot with the keeper sort of stranded that almost went in and then he had another sort of sh- shot that went over the bar really that was wasn't wasn't too good really when you look at it back at it. But those were the two best chances. We had a couple of scrappy 50-50 moments, but um, yeah, it was unfortunate we didn't get the second. So I think that would have killed the game off in the first half. And, and I described it at half time as it was solid, if not spectacular. So yeah, happy to be one nil up. You know, we were still top at that point. There was a there was a reasonable happiness around the ground, even though it was very muted. But it was very um, quiet. Was it? It was very quiet. Yeah, and and. It was. It wasn't the most exciting game in the first half, which is why I've just gone through it in about three minutes because that that's what it was. We slightly shaded it. We had a, we got the goal. We had a couple of other moments to try and kill the game off. We didn't take them. That was it. It was half time. So yeah, there's not really not really much more I can say about that first half, Ollie. Um. So how did we start the second? Really poor. <laughs> which is what we said last week, wasn't it? Very sloppy. Um. We gave away so many soft free kicks within the first five minutes of the first half that it completely broke the flow of the game up. A little bit like the Rotherham game on the Saturday and it became totally disjointed, the game. We we totally lost our way in terms of our passing and our crispness that, that had started to show itself again in the first half a little bit, I thought. Um, and after the sort of first five minutes of the game, we, we'd sort of drifted out of our pattern of play that Gillingham basically took control of the game for most of the second half going forward until we changed it later on and brought Payne on, which I'll come to. But yeah, they created all the best chances from that point. They should have got 1-1 pretty early on into the half. Um, one of their guys missed a really good-headed chance. Um, and yeah, 10 minutes into the half, I thought we were just really poor by that point. Our passing went completely ollie. We we lacked our press. Um, and yeah, it was it was all Gillingham from that point onwards. Do you think it was the, the illness, the squad, having an impact then? You've got to think so, haven't you, per- personally? It was a case of sort of, a, not a case of all the collective legs going out of it, but just the sort of level came down a little bit. Godfrey and Agogo and, 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 and um, in, the, in the central midfielders and, and the wingers as well, a little bit, they just weren't quite as fast and as quick as they were in the first half. And, you know, I don't think everyone's ill, so maybe that's not a legitimate excuse, but, you know, maybe it's a combination of, you know, having played at home on the, on the Saturday as well with the pitch and all the various contributory factors. Maybe there was that nerves and the edge. What about the formation was... as well? Obviously, we played. Um, we played. Um... 
you know, a, a variant of um, 4141 or 4411, however you mm. want to describe it. Um, do you think that had an impact, the players playing different formation to normal? Yeah, possibly as well. I think it's probably a, a common, you know, to, to describe what happened in the second half, really, and how poorly we came out of the game I think it's a combination of factors you know even things like the defenders confidence in Henderson after what's been well, yeah, happening recently that's, and it's an interesting one actually when that's about it, because a lot of people are talking about Henderson yeah I mean I, I'll talk about Henderson now I've got, I've got a few points on the agenda I thought he, he wasn't great in the second half he, he really made one big error from a corner where he punched it um, and it basically that was a went terrible to one of their, punch wasn't it yeah it went to one of their guys around five highlights. Yeah, well, it's not. A, it was a low light, wasn't it? And they should have scored from that as well and got got equal then before they did score their equaliser. So, and he looked like he didn't want to come off his line at all, Ollie. And and that I think that plays a part in the goal later on. But he was like completely anti Dean Henderson, and he was completely different to how he played at Charlton, where he was like basically back to his old self. And and at the end of the game on on Tuesday night, I was just thinking I actually wouldn't be too disappointed for for him to get dropped for the game at Charlton, which looking back is mad really. But he he did not play well. So. In terms of this overall poor second half performance and how we sort of drifted out of the game, I think it's very difficult to pinpoint one thing. I think it was a combination of all those sort of negative factors really coming into play. And um, yeah, unfortunate really, um, to be honest with you. And as I say, illness probably has has another thing that we don't normally have to deal with having ill players, is it? So yeah, there we go. So all those things contributed. Um, and, and at least to be fair to Hurst, before they did get the equaliser, we, we obviously saw that it couldn't continue like that. Um, and we had pain on the bench. So we brought pain on and actually... For the ten minutes after Payne came on was probably the only bit of the second half we were really in the game. He his pace helped and um you know, he helped force a couple of corners, one of which Bolton almost scored from, which was a decent save. Um and I thought I thought that was a that was a good move from Hurst bringing Payne on. But really, yeah, other than that, there was not much to talk about in the second half other than them getting their equaliser, which was awful. And I'm not sure you've seen the highlights, but <laughs> it wasn't not great defending, was it? No, it was very, very poor. <laughs> Very poor. It's disappointing. Um, well, it's, it's, yeah, the goals we concede are um, sloppy at the moment. Yeah, that's mm. that way. Yeah, too. Oh, you, you're going to say something worse. Good job. I've used a nice, <laughs> polite word, Ollie. But yeah, I mean, it was interesting again that this is the sort of what maybe the third or fourth team in a few weeks that have decided to come and play us, whether it's home or away, and use it use a long throw and put it right on Henderson. And and I think that is something that people have picked up on, especially with the nervousness I just talked about him. And yeah, the goal didn't come from a corner; it came from a long throw. So they they bundled it straight in there. And um, as I say, Henderson didn't come out off his line at all. He just stood stood back and tried to let the defenders deal with it. Um, basically, Toto headed it first time up in the air. Then it came down to him. He headed it up in the air again. And then a third time, he headed it, and it sort of went to one of their players who sort of recycled it out to the left wing and and the, and the winger sort of curled it into the top corner and it was a good finish and there was nothing Henderson could do about the finish but um, yeah, it was just real sloppy and, and yeah, it wasn't good to watch too honest with you and, and from that point, we were lucky not to lose it I think, Ollie, to be honest with you. Um, they were just raiding forward then. you know, Sorry, just, the just on the goal, going back to the goal, sorry, it was really poor, you know, um, the defender should have cleared the ball, shouldn't they? It was a very... Um, how did how does how would you describe it? How did even Hurst describe it? So Purse wasn't very happy with the way we um, conceded the goal. Um, he's not happy at all, to be honest. He seemed quite annoyed about it. Mm. Well, I was quite annoyed about it, Ollie, at the time. <laughs> as, a, as I suspect quite a lot of other people were as well. Because it did feel a little bit like, even though we'd not played well in that second half, it was another, you know, three points that were there for the taking if we'd have just defended robustly, to be honest with you. And we were defending pretty robustly. You know, say Gillingham had quite a lot of attacks and certainly created a lot more chances. I know you put up the XG stats about the game as well and then they were well ahead of us by the end of the game. Yeah. Um. So, you know, if we'd have just 
stood firm a little bit more, we definitely would have won the game. And if we'd have got a second goal in the first half, we definitely would have as well. But yeah, we, we had to then stand firm, you know, going forward actually in, in after that goal because they just started raiding forward, um, looking for the winner. And we, we just about held on, to be honest with you. And um, yeah, weirdly, despite them having most of the play and all the attacking and they had some good chances to go 2-1 up, we did still get two good chances to win the game. Like we talked about last week, Ollie, where even when we play poor, we're still we getting still chances. Still chances, to, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of them was cracking, to be honest with you. Where um, Abs fired in from 25 yards, the keeper was completely beat. It, it sort of went through a crowd of players, and luckily they had a guy on the line, and he cleared it like literally right off the line. If you look at the highlights, yeah, it's it was almost right off the line. Was... Gutted. Um, and what odds would you have got on Abs scoring two goals in a game? I bet that would have been pretty high. Um, and there was another moment where Wally sort of did this usual thing and nipped in down the line and put a good cross in, but yeah, couldn't couldn't quite get There's to no it. No one but, there. Um, that was he could have missed a view over. Yeah, if someone going flying in there, that would have been yeah, back goal easily because it was so close to the, the line. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So there we go. And so we held firm. And uh, yeah, that was that. <laughs> and at the end, obviously, we had muted booze for yeah. some people, which was... Was it um, many? Was it a few, only a few people, would you say? So I think it's becoming very apparent for us, and, and we obviously have talked on the podcast about us sitting in Block 17 in the West Stand, that there is a much more negative feeling pervading the East Stand, shall we say, um, than there is in the West Stand. There was, um, yeah, there was a, an interesting um, comment by some guy who sits... Who I think he normally sits in the West End, and he took his mm. kids and went in the family stand, and he was commenting about how he couldn't believe how negative it was. He said, "You know, if anyone started singing, they got kind of like almost shushed and kind of yeah told them not to make any noise." Um, and then mm. he said, "The negativity when any pass went where I um, was, but I'd say where we sit in Block Seventeen, people are pretty relaxed about things, don't they? If you know if something doesn't work." Um, you know, it takes you know three or four times for something not to work for people to get yep. agitated and make a noise, and yep. people are just kind of just even. You know, in the old days, I'd say about three years ago, people would scream at people passing the ball around the back, but now people just sit and just watch it, don't they? It's yeah, it's interesting how there's different aspects of different kind of of the fans um, around the ground. Yeah, I didn't. I honestly didn't think it was that bad from the West End to be honest. It was very much like, oh, damn it, that's a sort of opportunity missed. Do you know what I mean? That was yeah. that kind of feeling, and there was a certain, you know. Let down no one was happy. No one wants to give away, you know, a draw against Gillingham, and obviously people will see Gillingham as a, as like <laughs> most people saw Shrewsbury as a, yeah, one of the poorer ties in the division. Mm, yeah, strange. And and I say I'll go through my top three, and we'll go through Paul Kirst's interview because obviously the muted booze, the overall atmosphere at the start of the game, and and maybe through the game as well. Um, obviously triggered a few things with Hurst that we're going to talk about. So there we go. But my top three, just to to round off the game, was um, I went for a go go, not just because he actually finally scored a goal. He was probably across the 90 minutes the only one that really kept his levels consistently high the whole time through and it was interesting I was having a chat with um, my mate Jerry and my brother that sits next to me and saying if you look across the whole season the one player that's not had a dip in form at some point is a go-go isn't it you, you think about even a Godfrey and, and Nolan even last season weeks. you know when we missed him he was when he got injured he, he yeah, well, off form plummeted and yeah, even maybe since the Northampton game away last yep. season um, he's been on, on f- a great run of form He's an unbelievable player. He's metronomic in the midfield and he's the one player that's run out of contract in the summer that we haven't sorted out. So <laughs> there you go. Forward thinking, she should be down as usual. Um, so yeah, I gave him man of the match. Um, he, he was all action again. I gave Wally second place. Um, you know me and Wally, we have our, our ups and downs. I, I thought he was you know, really good in the first half particularly um, and he did keep, keep trying to work hard in the second half as well. He yeah. drifted out of it for the last little bit. But yeah, I was really impressed with Sean Wally on, on the Tuesday night game and Carlton Morris as well. He, he is Working so hard, and I'm not going to say it again for the fifth or sixth week in a row, he will get some goals at some point, hopefully, but the man is... the is the, If we play that tactic or we play the tactic we normally play, 
we have to play Carlton Morris, we can't play Payne. He works perfectly in it and, and it works at Charlton as well. And so, yeah, I gave him my third place. Interesting. So, uh, what did Paul Hurst have to say? So, um, <laughs> he was disappointed. Um, he said, you know, we're giving, you know, giving opportunities to, um, to the opposition. Um, and he was also cri- quite critical of the pitch that we couldn't get the ball down and play. Um, he said, we thought that we date, dealt with them comfortably, you know, their attacking mm. threat. Um, and Eves was taken off. You know, that kind of just shows, that, you know, he didn't have a great game. And he's their kind of talisman who scores most he of the goals. He missed the sitter as well. He did miss the sitter, yeah. hugely entertaining. <laughs> Which is quite funny. Um, so, yeah, so we're talking about, obviously, a go-go. He was saying he was the standout performer. I mean, he said a few, a few lads need to follow suit, so it's quite interesting. Mm. Um, said so, you know, you know, we ha- on the on the goal, we have a few headers, we miss it, then he goes to the side and he scores, and it's just poor. And he says one or two having a dip in confidence. We could have gone to the top of the league tonight, and we seemed edgy, and the crowd didn't help with that. Um, and then he just mentioned about Hurst, um, mentioned obviously as well that Sadler was dropped, and mm. that some um, standing on um, tr- um, eggshells. But now, yeah. obviously, you know the the controversial bit because it did create a <laughs> lot of debate online. Um, and what did he say? So he said, and the crowd didn't help. Um, disappointed with the crowd in numbers. We could have gone top of the league and have less than 5,000 here. It's easy when things are flying high. Talk about standards. Let's be at the game. Credit to the ones that were here, but they could have been louder. It's standard eerie. Um, not trying to shift the blame, but let's have, let's not have people jumping off and let's stay together. Mm. So, yeah, interesting comments. Uh, I, I'll talk about the, spe- the specificity of what you said, Ollie, and, and, and why your Why Not fans should maybe be annoyed about it. Or yeah. not. For me, it's, it's interesting timing, really. Uh, I, I, think it, I did a comparison after the game as to how many fans were actually there compared to when we played Bristol Rovers and I think it was a, another game on a Tuesday night in October, the only two other Tuesday night home games we've had. And the difference between those two, two three games was 350 fans. So it's not like we dropped tons of fans from regular Tuesday night attendances, which is interesting if you look at that as the context. Obviously, we dropped loads from Saturdays, but we always do that anyway. So... The timing for me was interesting. Was it really necessary? Probably not. Was he just no. angry and, and thrashing out? Maybe. Was it? And maybe he did calm. More? It's interesting actually when you when you watch the video, he calms down as the interview mm. goes on, um, yep. and then he comes back and, and says a few um, more positive things about the fans and stuff. And, and he like does, and he, and he then brings it back to sort of talking about the whole group, not just the fans. Yeah, it's the fans, exactly. the players, the manager, and the staff at the football club. He also mentioned as well. So I don't mind him putting a shot across the barriers of everybody collectively. You know, it's never good to hear a manager saying negative things about fans. And he did cover himself by saying, "I appreciate the ones that are there that could have been louder." That's fine. That's a debate we have as Super Town fans, and and there's lots of reasons and why fours why we can't just grow our fan base continually or we can't be vociferous and loud all the time. There is millions of reasons for it and, and maybe we can do a special podcast with some, some guests about it one day, Ollie, because I think it would be an interesting thing to get into. But yeah, for, for me, it was basically, it sounded like a shot across the barriers of an angry man that wanted to just let a little bit of that frustration out. And, and you know, when you listen to the extended interview and you don't just take selected quotes like maybe some of the press did at, at the point when it happened, and it I can did. understand why. Yeah, if I'm, I'll be honest as well. Yeah, that, that triggered me, if I'm honest, because you saw the quotes. Um, and then everyone started chatting and stuff, and they mm. hadn't, the videos have been released at that point. No, and that's their job, I, I, you know. Exactly. And, I, and it wasn't until I listened to the audio, you know, I think they call it the audio boom thing that Shrewsbury Town do that you get the full interview. Now, and they yeah, posted the video, which they don't normally. I don't think they normally do that. But I think that was a bit different. So I think they wanted to, yeah, to kind of get the context out there. Um, and it was a huge debate. I think it's the biggest ever debate I've ever seen on the Facebook group. There's like yeah, over five, four, four hundred comments. But this is why it was slightly risky slash pointless and and if you notice none of those comments made it into the final match report afterwards so normally they'll put all the things her said in a final match report on the website that got taken out even though they put the the video out but um yeah it did obviously annoy a lot of fans and we can't pretend it didn't and it, no. it, it did rattle a few people and um yeah it, it just 
just a bit unfortunate in terms of the, some of the terminology, I suppose. But I can kind of understand where he's coming from. Um, having listened to it back again, I, I calmed down about it. I was a little bit miffed at one point. I don't like managers having a pop at fans. I know that some fans say, well, you're always constantly having a go at the players. You're always constantly having a go at, at, at managers as a fan. That's fine, but that that's part of the game. It's very rarely, rarely ever goes right if a manager has a pop at his own yeah. crowd, does it? You know. No. And to be fair, it's only Paul Hurst could probably ever get away with it in the Football League at the moment because of what he's done and how much of a high regard he's held in. And um, I think the Charlton game goes a long way to paying that back, I think, when you look at what's gone on there. Yeah. But a very interesting night and a very interesting insight into what Paul Hurst is thinking and where he's coming from at the moment. Yep, interesting. And on that kind of theme, I thought it'd be interesting to um, yeah, find out some info from the Grimsby fans. Um, so I found um, quite a well-followed um, Twitter account from the Grimsby fans oh, yeah. um, and asked them a question. So basically he said, you know, what is your view on Hurst and the, and the Grimsby fans? Was the overcritical fair? Because, you know, what was their view of them? So mm. he said, um, so the guy responded saying, um, he reckon he feeds on the, se- the siege mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he recommends a guy called Matt to come and kind of join the conversation. So, yeah, so there's a guy called Matt who um, he said that he used some of the criticisms they got from some quarters to galvanise the squad for the playoffs and ultimately viewed the success as being, been, being in spite of certain fans. Hence, mm. he did an ear cupping at Wembley. Oh, yeah, which is a bit uh, <laughs> over the line, I'd say. Um, I get a chance to do that again soon. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, so it's the thought that yeah, he, he basically they said it was like almost he used it as extra motivation. Um, but I do get the sense, and we spoke about this before. I mean, Shooter Town fans are particularly conservative, so maybe hmm. he was just trying to coronavirus up. And then she said, in the spirit of the moment, but are we gonna you know go on about this again? I doubt it. I don't think so, Glenn. Are we? It's a, it was just a one-off thing, um, you know. He was very complimentary after the Charlton game about the fans. He was. It, it miffs people off, doesn't it? Particularly, yeah. like, you know, I'm going to consider myself for the first time in a few years to be a hardcore fan again this year. And I, I don't ever miss a home game, but I've been to so many away games this year. And I, and I feel like there is an effort and a, and a, a financial outlay and a time outlay. half term as well. That was yeah, details, and, and you know, we're not all in a privileged position like I feel like I am sometimes in the ability that I can get to these games, you know. And, and there are lots of fans that cannot make Tuesday night games. We have a large fan base that comes from rural areas. There is And no all over transport. the place as well. There's a lot of fans that travel over 50 minutes and stuff. Exactly. Like and at half term, that 350 that were missing were probably kids that are in bed. Yeah. So or I, I don't want to labour the point. Holiday. Yeah, I don't want to labour the point anymore because there are a million and one reasons as to what what is about our fans. Yeah, hopefully we don't have to ever talk about it again. I can see her having little pops like this every now and again if things don't go right. I'm sure it's it's obviously in his character maybe a little bit, but um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, what, we shouldn't really just talk about our points of view. You got a few thoughts from some other town fans, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Yeah, so um, so I, so yeah, there's a couple of guys saying um, Tom Rutt said we're not a big fan base um, and we've always been quite at home, which I think is quite fair. Um, yeah, so Dwayne Edwards was saying you know this was, this was supposed to be Saturday, it's a, week, a midweek game and it's awkward. And there's a lot of people t- um, you know chatting, saying kind of almost justifying themselves. I couldn't go. I was on shift nights, shifts, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then also, yeah, um, a guy called John said. That three home games in ten days, so that's another yeah, another yeah. one as well. Um, and then obviously, then busy um, um, put a, said quite an interesting comment. He said, "I got a laugh. Um, was saying nearly crowded five thousand on a Tuesday night is poor. It wasn't that long ago we were getting for two k two thousand fans yeah. under Jake. Yeah. So a bit of context there from busy." It's- Completely true. I, I I think I like that post to be fair, and that, and that is true to be honest with you. And and you can say the same about the muted booze as well. You know, Paul Hurst doesn't want to hear a town. But I think it's interesting, turn. isn't it? Why we mentioned <laughs> why we why we mentioned earlier in the pod about how the the East stand is the more negative stand, yeah, which is quite yeah. interesting. So that's obviously what he hears all the time. Um, obviously, mm. he doesn't hear the the more more positive side of the West stand. So anyway, maybe it was Roland booing. <laughs> maybe it was. Maybe it was Roland booing. Um, so no, yeah. I doubt it. <laughs> there we go. I think you could draw a line under that, Ollie. As I say, he's um. 
Um, you God, you know, I say you, you're about the only manager in the country that can get away with something like that. Him and, and the um, Plymouth manager, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, there you go, good stuff. So anyway, but that that obviously leads us on to. Saturday. We got knocked off. The, we got knocked. Well, we got knocked off the top of the league for a start as well on the Tuesday night, didn't we? So yeah, that was a bit of a concern walking out as well. But obviously, we we've been doing a lot better away from home, haven't we? So the Saturday game was a trip down to London to play Charlton. So um, yeah, what is our away form like? You got some stats down here. Yeah, right? so away form is fantastic. So that's four away wins on the bounce now because obviously yep. we won this game two 0 Brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. and interesting actually as well. Um, I forgot about this. Um, we have only this is the first time we played Charlton. So obviously now into the second half of the season, but obviously because mm. the games are rearranged, um, supposed to be Tuesday night game. Um, so. So yeah, so the original home ties is yeah we're playing that after later on, and so we've got that good. in a few I'm weeks' time. Playing them again. Yeah, it should be good. <laughs> um, and then another the most interesting one as well is that Salop have the most away points in the league, which is just yes. fantastic. Interestingly enough, as well, up and up until we lost to um, up until we drew with, with Gillingham on um, Tuesday night, we also had the best home form as well. So it's really weird, isn't it? It's because it's, it's so tight at the top. We and we'd probably played a few more games on Wigan, so they're technically their form's better, but they hadn't got as many points as us. Yeah, um, yeah, we we just slipped it down to second in the home form table. So God, it shows what kind of a season we're having, doesn't it? But yeah, there we go. We went back though to the tried and trusted formula, which has done us so well this season. It was the the number one team. And what did what did I call it on the, on the agenda? The classic, the classic team. Yeah, the classic <laughs> eleven. So this is the classic eleven back. So it is Henderson, Bolton, Nasala, Sadler, Beckles, obviously Brown originally. Um, yeah, and then yeah, Godfrey, Warley, Nolan, um, Go Go Rod. Um, so Wally and Rodman back on the flanks and the big man Morris at front. Yeah. Um, so yeah, interestingly, you were sat sat by um, some interesting um, interesting fans. Yeah, it was nice. I, I, well, we should talk about this really because one of the one of the two good things to come out of this game was the result and Shrewsbury Town fans. I think yeah. it was the two good things to come out of this game. Um, and for me, my experience is probably different to yours, which is interesting really because I had the kids with me this weekend. Obviously, I just explained we had a, we had a weekend away in London, did the uh, Olympics and uh, went around all that, and then yeah, had a nice day. Um, but I sat on the very front row, which was interesting because most of the families, most of the people with kids were sitting down on the front row. Um, and it wasn't until about 20 minutes into the first half, I, I started talking to the guy who was sitting behind me with his little lad. And he just started asking me about the game because I, I think I said something, God, like, go on, Omar. And he was like, oh, you like Omar, do you? And I was like, oh, yeah. He goes, oh. And then he started explaining this story about Does you like what you're probably of... Omar's biggest number one <laughs> fan. <Did laughs> this you... is the crazy thing, isn't it? And he started explaining that um, he's one of Omar's friends from London and Omar used to teach his, teach his kids football team and he's been up with his family and to visit Omar in Shropshire and he really likes Shrewsbury and, you know, he was being brought along on our, like, promotion wagon because his friend Omar, you know, outside of football, was doing really well, which was fantastic. And he, was, he had nothing but positive words to say about Omar as a man and... As a, as a footballer, as a as someone who works hard to get where he wants to get in life, and he will never, you know, won't leave any stone unturned. It was brilliant to hear that kind of personal side of someone. You know, we just sit and watch these footballers on a on a day to day basis, and yeah, it was brilliant sitting next to him and talking to him. And his little lad who we had with him was his first ever game, so oh, I told cool. him that um, he had to keep coming now, <laughs> which is well <laughs> yeah. I think he was only like six or seven. And then the interesting thing was, I think it was Omar's fiance came down at half time, um, and again at the end of the game. And as I was leaving, I was talking to the guy to sort of say have a nice weekend, and I was saying. To saying to the whole th- whole lot of them, you've got to keep coming to all these games now. So and they look like a really nice bunch of people, which was fantastic. So yeah, that was that was a nice thing to happen on the game. But um, the best thing about it was at the end of the game when we won, Omar came over to sort of see his friends and, and his fiance, and he did a nice little dance. And you know me, <laughs> things like that mean a lot to footballers. Like the <laughs> just the funny things mean the most to me. So yeah, he's already sort of cemented his legendary status for me. I think even more now. But yeah, nice nice when these sort of things happen, isn't it? It's like when we sat by bloody um, <laughs> Abd at Berry. You know, it's things like that that make. 
you you sort of think more about it. So there you go. I was at the front, banging on the those boards, you know, making a right old racket down there with the kids, and you were right at the back, weren't you? Yeah, I was with. Uh, yeah, I was. At, I was at the front of the kind of the, the back section, if that makes sense. Oh, nice. So yeah, we're in the middle of all of the noise um, and noise. We made a lot of noise. Um, it was one of the best away performances by the away fans we've had for a while. We, I don't can't really remember us being quiet for more than a minute max, maybe even thirty yep. seconds. Um, and we went through basically like whoever. I don't know if people printed off some hymn sheets, but we went through the whole repertoire <laughs> of hymn sheet music. So yeah, all the chants are out. So it was brilliant, wasn't it? They were, the, the chants were all pro shoes, we exactly, clean, yeah. which was great for for sort of people that don't want to get involved in the more you know. And, and I understand football culture and, and swearing at football. I do it all the time, and especially with chanting. But you know, I had the kids there. It was a, you know, I said a few weeks back it was pretty difficult having my kids at Bristol Rovers because the swearing was really intense and they're only little. But actually. For my two and and lots of the families around me, that was the best. You know, it was a brilliant atmosphere at the back for for that that reason. But also, it was a really good atmosphere for you know the people who were going there for a slightly different it was reason. Positive, wasn't it? it was all stop. positive. Singing about our own team, not the opposition. Yeah, me and the kids and, and all the guys around me didn't stop singing. And I saw something on Facebook saying yeah, everyone at the back there was like you know pretty much sixty percent of the crowd were chanting. I can tell you from sitting at the front, which is where a lot of people weren't. And pretty much everyone in the front, you know, 30 rows were singing and getting involved as well. And it was just, it brought everyone along with it. And, and it's interesting you say, I can't remember a, an atmosphere in a away game like that before. I think I agree with something I read today, which was someone saying that it's probably the best away atmosphere for a 90 minutes that we've had since we went to MK Dons in the playoffs. Or um, Bury away in the playoffs for me, that was Potentially, yeah, both those games. I can't, yeah, even Bury away, I think that it was probably better than Bury away in some respects. I think, yeah, oh, it's very difficult, isn't it? Those two are very close, aren't they? But, you know, you could put it up right alongside those two for a, for a fantastic away day in a, a fantastic performance and you know you add to the fact that the, the team helped that as well didn't they because yeah. the performance was fantastic which we'll get on to now but yeah an, an incredibly fun time to be a Shrewsbury Town fan for nine minutes and Lewis Cox said the Town fans didn't stop singing from uh, the first minute to the 90th minute and I corrected him and said actually the Town fans didn't stop from singing from 20 minutes beforehand <laughs> until about 20 minutes afterhand because I was walking down Greenwich High Street you know almost all the way there and someone about five or six Town fans got off a bus and they were still chanting Paul Hurst Barmy Army <laughs> going down the street so yeah I don't. yeah think we him... queued up to get a pie and a, a beer <laughs> and everyone was queuing in the area to get the pies just like oh. full on the whole area chanting and then yeah it was good. brilliant yeah. so um so yeah, there we go. So yeah, look, what and we had a lot to chat about. We Ollie, did. Didn't we? we did. Apart from the first six minutes, so um, <laughs> so we started brightly, passing the ball quite nicely, um, and then Charlton just kind of um, yeah they, battered us. Yeah, they battered us for like <laughs> five minutes. So they had a really good shot um, that was blocked by Bolton, um, and then if, then another account, another attack um, ended up with a header, um, which um, Henderson saved with his feet, which is a really good reaction save. Um, and then the following up from that, um, the, the, the guy had a strike, um, which then he pushed over. Yep. Um, so that was yep. a bit of a nervy start. Were you a bit nervous at that point? I was. I thought we were going to get smashed. Because <laughs> the crowd was, there for the only time in the game, the Charlton crowd made a little bit of noise, didn't they? And, and, and you know, after we sort of shut the game down, they went quite quiet. But, um, yeah, for me, I'm going to probably talk about all the players in this game because it was one of those things where, you know, 1-11... to 11, they all deserve a little bit of a mention, don't they? Because every, there was something special in everyone's performance, I thought, on Saturday. Yeah. And we'll start with Henderson. We didn't. We don't win that game 2-0 and, and put in a competent performance unless he makes a key save at a key time, which he did in that first minute. And, and those two saves, you know, within seconds of each other, were Dean Henderson of old, you know, and that was brilliant, I thought. And if you even take away those two saves, he was much more calm and, and confident, wasn't he, Ollie? He came out and claimed a lot of the balls that he would normally have been claiming a couple of weeks ago before the Blackburn thing. And overall, compared to the Tuesday night game, it was light and shade. His performance level and his confidence was back to old Dean yeah. Henderson. And that was an absolute joy to see, wasn't it? Yeah, Henderson said he had a word with the, some of the old guard. Um, oh, interesting. Um, saying, you know, come on, lads, we need to get back to what we were good at the start of the season. 
and you know, mm. playing with, and you could see that there was a there definitely something had changed in the camp, and yeah, there was a huge kind of yes, yeah, an uplift. Um, but um, interesting for my kind of match day, got the train down, um, and I met a really good friend of mine who's a massive Charlton fan. Uh, so met him, right. had a few pints of him, and it's quite funny. We, he met us at Charlton Station. We were walking to the pub, and um, he, he was asking me about Shrewsbury Town. And this, the more I was talking, he eventually told me to stop because he said they were all the things that they really struggled against: teams that press, yeah, okay. teams at Harry. Um, and yeah, interesting. So I was, I was texting Joe as the game went on, um, and I said, "Bloody hell, it was a good start by Charlton." And he said, "Good so far, but we only ten play." tend to play well for 45 minutes unfortunately mm. that was only five minutes because um, <laughs> yeah after that they don't really even on the extended highlights and they didn't really have any more chances after that no and it was funny because it could have unsettled us because obviously Bolton got injured early he on did as well didn't he 10 minutes he went off so he fouled Kai Kai and got injured in the process and he might be out for a few weeks with an ankle injury well, did you, I don't know how many people saw this. I don't remember seeing it tweeted anywhere or, or mentioned anywhere else. But when he eventually came back on to the second half, he was on crutches and he was in one of those air casts as well. Oh, okay. So obviously precaution potentially, but that doesn't look great, does it, to be no, honest? No, it doesn't. But if we're going to have injured in any position, right back is certainly uh, you know a, a position we've got strength. And I'll tell you what, Hendry had a great day in game, didn't he, when he came off the bench? And... That, can bring us, that can bring us to player number two then. Yeah, Hendry, fantastic. R- real little player, isn't he, to be honest with yeah, you? He's so is. calm and confident on the ball. He's such yeah, he's a, he's a. I don't know, sound ridiculous because they're all professional footballers, but he looks <laughs> like a, you know, a very experienced. He's just a pro. Yeah, you wouldn't use that. He's a, you know, he's a proper pro. That lad, you know, he seems very fit, fast, and he's calm and intelli- intelligent on the ball, isn't he? An old head on young exactly. shoulders. That's how they describe it, Ollie, yeah. isn't it? And he certainly looks like that. He, he looks like a, a lad that's played, you know, hundreds 50, of games, games yeah. already. Yeah. So, yeah, he he did really well, and, and I thought he was really good in attacking positions as well when we really started to get a grip of the game. So, um, yeah, credit credit to him as well. So, there we go. That wasn't that was pretty soon before the first moment of the game, which again could have completely unsettled us and knocked us out of our rhythm. I mean, we were playing well up until this happened, but yeah, penalty from um, uh, it was uh, Nolan that got fouled, wasn't it? So, yeah. Nailed on, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, in terms of the pressure that we were talking about with my mate, um, yeah, Rodders put some pressure on. Um, the, they kind of tried to pass the ball um, and they failed. Rebounds off um, Rodders to Nolan, who just runs down the pitch, cuts inside, and the player just, just took him out. It was, yeah, it was still a wall penalty. And then the penalty, um, <laughs> it's one of those ones, I, I've watched it back a couple of times. He hits it down the middle. Straight down the yeah, middle. Yeah, not that hard. Um, and the keeper's trailing legs just caught it. Um, yep. flicked up into the air and then he headed it and then he hit the crossbar he, he did I've took an incredibly good video of it being down the front of, of the whole thing on the Blue and Amber the app Blue and Amber fanzine account um, on Twitter so if anyone wants to see it a bit closer up than the highlights then I've got it on there and it's had a, it's had a lot of retweets and likes which is quite interesting for, for a bad moment but it the penalty was, was straight down the middle which is unfortunate and, and the keeper did dive so he kind of gave him the eyes but he just didn't put it to the right a little bit yeah. further which is what he should have done um, but yeah it was unfortunate but he actually got to the rebound really quickly he jumped high fast and headed it too hard he, he, if he'd have got any little bit of contact on it it would have gone past the goalkeeper because he'd obviously come and got stranded but he, he absolutely nails his header and yeah careers back off a bar falls to Wally and he just can't get a good first touch or a good first shot and um, yeah they eventually cleared it away didn't they so oh, unfortunate to be honest with you and we could talk about penalties we've missed, we've missed, we've three missed now too many now haven't we, now, haven't we? Uh, it's interesting because uh, Morris and him were having a chat before they took it and it was also mm. like Morris quite keen to take it I think it's about time actually maybe he had a chance um, you know yeah. quite like a striker taking pens it also boosts them numbers doesn't it so how did you feel at that point uh, I, I was having flashbacks to Barry yeah away. missing a pen you never 
even though we were playing pretty well at this point, um, we hadn't created loads of chances, only 17 minutes in, but yeah, you never exactly. want to miss a pen, do you? It's just... Away from home, a big team. you know, and a big a, ground. A team that, yeah, you, you just started to fear, fear the worst, didn't you? But to be honest with you, from then on, we dominated the game. Yeah, I think we it, did. It, you know, it was another thing that spurred us on to even better play. And from that point onwards, a go-go, Nolan and Godfrey just absolutely dominated. smashed just the, the midfield game. Uh, game. And the wingers were unplayable at times. And the defenders was rock solid. And Carl Morris was, was basically as big of a pain to their defenders as those big cumbersome strikers that we've had to deal with the last few weeks. You know, say one to eleven, they all were just fantastic. And and for me, one of the things I wanted to talk about, that I think, won us the game was a, was the spine of the team. You yeah. go Henderson, Toto, Sadler, uh, the three midfielders, and 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 um, Morris and Carl Morris up front. The physicality of all those players. The, the Charlton after about twenty minutes, they'd been in a couple of robust challenges. They'd been harried to death, and they really, really couldn't deal with it, could they? I mean, Carl Morris basically occupied both centre backs, and, and couldn't they couldn't deal with him at all. And and it was from that point onwards where I thought. This we're going to win this game. I was yeah. pretty confident we'd win it, Ollie. The way we were playing, I thought unless they change their shape or they make some subs, we're eventually going to find a way through here because it was just fluid, snappy, and hard. And that is exactly what I've liked watching about Shrewsbury Town this season. Yeah, we're we're um, um, analysing the game at this point, so I'll yeah add a, my two pennies <laughs> worth in. Is I think it's um I think think the structure really helped. We were so well disciplined. Um, mm. We were really you could see the players were you know Wally was they were taking a free kick and Wally was you know, kind of like the nearest man to the ball and he was turning around and shouting orders making sure everyone was ready and in their places and yeah I think we were really structured and they really found it really difficult to break us down um, and then yeah the three in the midfield three amigos just dominate the whole game and they just couldn't handle it and interesting did you see the comments from um, the Charlton striker after the game what he said to um, Rodman yeah I just retweeted yeah. that this afternoon yeah about how no one's been and done that to them basically yeah really he's really impressed him yeah we just absolutely dominated them and yeah uh, my Charlton's friend said that um, he's seen obviously everyone in this season and he said us and Wigan are standout teams he's seen this this season so to be in this, that, that bracket is good so first half um, we had a cross didn't we to Worley obviously in front of us and that must have been just in front of you actually and Rodman just couldn't get to it could he um, and that could yeah, have been a goal it was unlucky and there was loads and loads of moments where we were just attacking and sort of camped on the edge of their box passing it around looking for a hit thing here looking for a little quick swift pass around the back or you know get it into um, Morris's feet and he'd try and work it off to someone or you had Hendry or Wally down one wing you had Beckles getting forward and trying to support Rodman on the other and it, was, it, was, it wasn't just waves of attacks but when we went forward we came through, through with some real you know that really worried them and we and really moved the ball we shifted the ball quickly <sighs> yeah. interesting um, so I didn't go to the last two games but Phil who I went to the game with did um, and I was asking, you know, we're on the train on the way back, saying, "What was the biggest difference between the last two home games?" He said, "The speed, as what the yep. speed of passing, I would agree with um, that. accuracy yep. and speed of passing, it was just it was just completely different." Um, and we took that confidence into the second half, didn't we? And we thought, I thought we started the second half even more confident than we did the first. We didn't even let them get their little customary five minutes of good play in like no. the first half. We put our foot on their throat straight away. Um, incredibly dominant from the off. Um, as I say, we've, we've talked about all the players and, and, and playing well, but um, and then Rodgers started coming into it, didn't he? Oh, yeah, he, he had a really good second half, and um, it, the, the wingers were. I, I, and I'll come to my top three later on, and I think that you'll see why. I thought that it was one of the best performances from two wingers consistently for ninety minutes I've seen any Shrewsbury team team have. We've never normally got two attacking wingers that that bo- can both get down the wing and play well. You know, we, we might have had a Mark Pugh and someone crap on the other wing, or you know, various other good wings we had over the years. Maybe Mark right on one wing, but we playing a right back on him. another wing or something. Yeah, exactly. But to have both of them. At that top form, at the same time, much like we had at the start of the season when they were both doing the same thing, 
I think that for me personally, I think that that was the best game that they both had at the same time. And I thought that they just scared the absolute living life out of the defenders every time they ran at them. And it just gave us so much more confidence for the rest of the pitch because you knew you always had an out ball that was going to put Charlton on the back foot. Yeah, Rodders was just running, wasn't he? He was, yeah, did that super run. He did several men um, and he just couldn't, he had that chance where he just couldn't find Morris and kind of bounced around. Morris seemed to lose the ball. Keeper just <laughs> caught it. So that was yeah. fine. And then, yeah, Wally had a chance from distance. Um, and then we had the goal. Yeah, that was a good one. Then we had the goal. So, yeah, this is a, a super, super strike. Um, so, yeah, good run for Morris. He gets slide tackled. Um, and then Roddles picks up the ball. And this is the only thing I don't get. I'm sure um, the manager, you know, the manager of Charlton is very thorough. The fullback just seemed to forget that he was right-footed. And he's kept cutting in and <laughs> cutting in all the time. So he cuts in and he fires an absolute thunderbolt, which the keeper gets a touch to it, but hits the post and goes in. And, and everyone paused, didn't they? Because it was like, oh, he stroke. Oh, oh hit, yeah, hit the post. Obviously, the other end to us. Hit the post and then everyone went mental. He's in the back of the net. Goes right in the stanchion. The yeah. Top corner is top corner gets, wasn't it? It was inch perfect. And... Um, yeah, it's the sort of thing Wally normally does, doesn't it? And as I say, Wally had had that shot a few minutes beforehand where he'd almost done the other thing, cutting in on the other side, hadn't he? It was almost like a carbon copy. But yeah, what a finish. And, and I, I like Waters as a player. We've never really had anything negative to say about him, have we? Picked up, he picked up his form particularly in this game, but um, oh yeah, great, great goal. And I say the the town end went insane, didn't it? Yeah, and just and just kind of like not that the volume was quiet in the first place, but yeah, just cracked no. it up again and kept us going. Um, and at this, this point, um, I got a tweet for a tweet, a text from a mate saying that how um, yeah, how impressive our, our town fans were. Yeah, but they didn't make any noise at all, Charlton's fans. Did no. they, to be fair. Well, other than groaning and booing, which they did quite a bit, to be fair. So. Yeah, we went one and up, and then and, and that was it. They just they just continued to steamroll through the half. I thought. Yeah, we did. And... Actually, it's finished. I remember obviously I was just yeah absolutely immersed in the game, the atmosphere, um, and watching the highlights back. It's we actually had more more we had actually had more chances than I kind of realised in real time. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, and there was no chances for them. I think it's because we yeah, we controlled possession so much, and yeah, there was loads. There was like yeah, a couple of good chances um, before we got the second goal, and I'm sure you enjoyed the the second goal. Oh, mate, I tell you. It's interesting because my phone ran out of batteries. How <laughs> um, did you just survive? My... Yeah, exactly. My phone ran out of batteries. Obviously, I'd been using it in the morning, taking pictures of the kids, and it was bloody freezing, wasn't it, as well, which doesn't help phone batteries. And, um, yeah, so I actually was, was completely, you know, normally I'll come on and tweet things for people like I normally do, but I was completely engrossed in the game. I wasn't trying to tell you, say what had happened or get involved in the, the discussion, which is nice. And I do watch the games all the time, but to not have it was interesting. And so... Yeah, when when Omar scored, <laughs> flipping heck, it was brilliant, wasn't it, to be fair? Because obviously I've had him as my sort of champion over the yeah. last few weeks, haven't I, with, with what's been going on. And, um, you know, we should just talk about his game, really. He was brilliant, wasn't he, to be yeah, fair? He, he didn't didn't really put a foot wrong in the game. He was so dangerous from every corner we had and, and some of the free kicks as well. He, he had a couple of moments where he just went on a big run, didn't he, and yeah. started storming down the left wing. Brilliant, just to see a just big man playing with as full well. of confidence. Um, yeah, and it's absolutely. interesting as well because I thought, yeah, talking about we've talked about Hendry as well earlier, but his ball um, over the top, the little chip pass into mm-hmm. Wally's path was immense. Absolute super, yeah. super ball. Wally gets it and he goes out for corner, and then obviously Wally picks up the ball, um, plays it into the box, um, and Beckles just—I I think the word "strolling" is a nice word. He just strolled yeah. across the box, didn't even really need to jump, and just headed nope. into the back of the net. Um, I thought it was a yeah. And then there was the really cute celebration between him and Wally. Yeah, he said, didn't he say something? Didn't he say something like, "If if you if your wife doesn't look, if your missus doesn't look at you like I look at Sean Wally, she's not the one for you." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then and then he also said. 
Godfrey's always there. So whenever there's a celebration, Godfrey's always there, isn't he? And Godfrey's yeah. so those two are having their special moment, and then Godfrey's jumping on oh. a, and he's on Beckel's shoulders, and then everyone runs oh. over, kind of half the half the team congratulating Wally for his superb corner. <laughs> uh, it was funny because obviously the guy who was sitting by me, oh, oh Beckel's his mate, he was down the other end, and he couldn't quite tell who'd scored. And, I, and when I'd seen it, it was him. I was like, he scored, mate, he scored. And so he had like a second lead delayed reaction about <laughs> how excited he was for his friend scoring. And yeah, it was, it was brilliant actually to be fair next to them when they realised but um, yeah there you go great great header he was he was fantastic and, and again another assist for Wally from a corner so yeah the corners have really come up haven't they we've been, we've been shoddy defending them but um, yeah our, um, our threat from corners has just gone up a notch which is really which is quite interesting yeah and then they really had their only moment in the half didn't they then getting towards the end where I think one of their, one of their lads had a shot that just fired over from a yeah. free kick it wasn't much use was it to be honest with you it didn't ever look like it was going to well they had another shot didn't they someone fired it and it hit the roof of the net yeah. at one point as well but that was about it really um, which brings me to Kai Kai what did you make of Kai Kai? He was poor. Yeah, they were quite scathing, Awful. weren't they? The Charlton fans of him. Yeah. Um, he was just, I forgot he was playing because also there was another player called Sully. So I was like kind of getting a bit, because obviously yeah, it was a bit of an angle that. from where I was sitting. I couldn't quite see the scoreboard properly. Um, and yeah, I was a bit, he was just non-existent. And I guess that's because we controlled the play in the middle of the park and they struggled to get the ball out to them. Yeah. Um, I wonder whether they're playing him in the right position because we we generally played him through the middle, yeah, him, didn't we? Played him off the striker, more direct, and he was very out on the wings, sort of messing around out there. So I don't know. They're obviously not getting what we got out of him, which is a shame for Kai Kai because we obviously appreciate the work he did for us. But yeah, shame, shame for the lad, but not too much of a shame <laughs> considering we we scored and all that. But um, yeah, there we go. So two 0 that was it. We had a few more chances, didn't we, I suppose? Yeah, we had a few more chances, and then um, Kashi um, decided that um, he'd had enough of a go go. Yeah, just smashed into him, didn't he, and caused a load of handbags. A tackle from behind, um, and I think if it, I think if it hadn't been, you know, right at the end of the game, we hadn't been winning two 0 Which is this is no excuse for for the referee kind of. I don't want to say bottling. I think that's a bit harsh, but you know, it was a, it was a strong yellow, wasn't it? You wouldn't be surprised mm. if he got sent off. I was I was surprised someone didn't get sent off from the tackle and the resulting stupidity afterwards. Yeah. To be honest with you, because there's photos today of people who've got hands on each other's necks, and there's a photo of I don't know which part of the game this was, but there's a photo of Carl Robinson grabbing Toto's shirt, like right screaming in his face. So I don't know whether that was during the same incident. So, and I did think there was a little bit of a, a bit of needle in the last ten minutes with them having been totally knocked off by the fact they'd just been completely embarrassed on their own patch by little old Shrewsbury. Um, and, and and it played into our hands because they we, we was getting to the point where if they'd have got one back in the last 10 minutes, we might have worried. But they wasted like three minutes over that handbags, over nothing, you know. And it, it just basically helped us kill the game off. So I was quite happy to see it going on and on. And if you look, they, we kept trying to start the whole thing again. Like just when it was calming down, Robin went back over to the referee and maybe wasted another yeah, minute did. of stuff talking to him. So we were actually pretty smart during that. But yeah, it didn't, didn't help them at all. It was stupid if you ask me no it was quite stupid and I guess it just showed how frustrated they were yep and there you go that was it we, we saw the last bear didn't we Big John came on for his customary one minute of not touching the ball and um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I forgot he came the on on the us watching the um, extended highlights and I was like oh there's just, there's there's there's, there's, uh, there's, the, there's John. the shop yeah and I was like yeah I couldn't even remember him coming on. <laughs> That's how happy everyone was just bouncing and jumping around by this point. Um, He's going to get a league winner's medal at the end of the season for playing 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he did score that goal against Northampton, so he, he started did, the way. He did, I'm only kidding. But yeah, yeah, he started the whole thing, didn't he? You he should did. be appreciated for that. So, um, uh, that, so yeah, on. so what was it? We, we mentioned most of the points, wasn't it, in terms of, you know, what? and I've, asked, I've put the question here, what was the difference? So what was the difference between this game um, and um, the Rotherham and um, Gillian games at home? I do wonder whether it's confidence a bit um, with, with us not having a good run at home and a good away form, whether that's making a big difference. But um, I, I think that 
the lack of good home form and then us going into an away game the next week has given us motivation, if anything, to really show that, yeah, right, we've had a blip, but we're not going to go anywhere and, and this is the sort of performance we'll turn in. Because taking everything aside, we, I didn't really say this, I think that was the best performance of the season. Um, in terms of a 90-minute performance, Oxford away was good. We were both there, weren't we, Ollie? Yeah. But, you know, there was a couple of dips in that game. Even Obviously, better Bristol Rovers. Rovers. We only played well for 45 minutes in that game and then shut up shop, didn't we? Yeah. We didn't keep attacking. As for a consistent ninety-minute performance, it's got to be up there with with maybe one or two others. But yeah. I, I personally think it was. was it's, it's in the, the, best, it's in the so. top top quartile, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. I think in terms of clear clear cut chances, I think the Bristol Rovers game just for the clear the four goals uh, for me. But was, Bristol Rovers weren't very good at that point in time, and Charlton are obviously six for a reason. So maybe there's that, that comment to it as well. I'll give you that. Yeah. But I guess yeah. we yeah. yeah we just dominated the game, didn't we? The, the mid, midfield three just completely dominated, passed the ball well, and we were just fast, and we were. I just basically went back to basics. I tell you what, we've got to give a lot of credit to Paul Hurst. Whatever he did and spoke to the players um, um, during the week, during training... Um, and then also full credit to the players. Even was it maybe even having a you know an away game in a in a hotel again got the players together. Yeah, uh, maybe yeah, a bit f- of bonding. It, it, I, d- I doubt that you know if anyone considers what Hurst said about the fans as a bit of a rocket up the fans. I'm, I'm also certain the players got the same rocket at the same time. Do you know what I mean? So there, there's that there's that point of it as well. Um, but yeah, what, what's the difference? Maybe pitch is a big part of it pitch as well. Definitely Obviously, pitch, I think Charles' pitch was pretty decent to play football on, wasn't it? And maybe that's one of the things we struggled to do at home. Um, so yeah, I think again, it, it is very. You know, last season we could say there was one thing that was causing us problems a lot of the time, couldn't we? Oh, defending set pieces and defending in general was one of the reasons why we lose every week. From week to week now, it's very difficult to put a finger on why we have a good week one week and a bad week the other week. Because consistently, we've got a plan that works. Like on Saturday, um, sometimes we just don't do it for some reason. I suppose every football team's like that, and every football team's going to go through a period like that. Um, but for me, when we're on our best, we are quick, fast, and the press is the thing that is the most notable about our team yeah. and that the press has not been good in those home games and it was fantastic on Saturday. Um, so maybe maybe that's a part of it. Well, which, which just goes back to the comments that my, uh, my friend Stuart said at the start of the game. You know, they struggle with teams that are physical um, you know, and um, yeah, and press really well and yeah, that was the, that was one of the, the key key differences. There we go. Let's run through the top yeah. threes then, Ollie, because yeah, I've got a revelation. <laughs> Here we go. So I think before we do the top threes, there's, yeah, well, actually, we say the top three, and there's quite a lot. Every, yeah, this was hard this week, wasn't it? There was you know, a lot yes. of eight out of, 10, eight out of ten, nine out of ten performances. So I went for Nolan, Wally, a go-go. Yeah, I went for uh, Wally as man of the match. Um, mainly because, you know, I think in the games he's been good, I've ended up giving man of the match to other people, right? And, and I'm going to say this now. I think you, you could have given a man of the match to any of those players. There's a legitimate reason to give yeah, a man exactly. of the match to any of those players. Because Nolan, you could have said... Because he could have said, you know, he missed the penalty, which you yeah, could yeah. people could quite quietly question But he was also brilliant. But he did everything else brilliantly. Yeah, exactly. He dominated <laughs> yeah. the game. So I think I maybe have undervalued Wally at times this season. So I think it's only fair that he gets the, the man of the match to say an assist for, for the corner as well. Unplayable at times. He really was. And I, I talked about I talked about the spine being the big thing about it. But I've given Rodman the second man of the match as well because I say, I think that them, them two really, in terms of two wingers, in the form in the same game, I, I was, it was so so lovely to watch. Enjoyable. And I've given Beckles third because, you know, of the reasons why I was sitting by his friends and family and he obviously scored and was good. So there you go. There's a bit of, there's a bit of narrative behind mine. But you really could have given anyone man of the match. It's, un, it's unfair to yeah. Really. And Henderson, Henderson was back to his best. Hendry was solid. Sadler, bloody Sadler that, was that one bit. Like a man that one bit wasn't there in the second half where um, he basically like did two immense tackles and it was just sheer will. And it was the old, it was the Sadler of the start yeah. of the season yeah. again. He was just like, I'm winning this ball. Oh, there's another chance. I'm winning this ball again. He was an absolute terrier. Um, and he was yeah back to his best. 
His passing distribution was really good as well. He didn't have any of those scare moments at all. I think that's it. I think we talked about everyone. Agogo was just his usual self. Yeah, in and Morris and, was, um, a, was, a, was a threat up front. So, yeah. And Godfrey was back to his best as well, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he well? was. Godfrey was good. He did quite a few good um, Yeah, running back, you know, clearing the ball ups and stuff. So, yeah, fantastic. So, there you go. So, three word match reports. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's fair to say everyone was pretty happy. Um, so, yes, yeah, <laughs> so I'll start with um, a. a one from Dave Baldwin, which said chuffed a bit, which I think just sums up how everyone was feeling. Um, Colin, yeah, Colin Easton was saying still believing. Um, um, Keith um, was saying perfect away day. Um, um, Rosie was saying love our team. Tang were brilliant. Um, no more booing. Um, what a team. Um, believe in Salop. Um, yeah, loved every minute. So, yeah, everyone's just like, yeah, um, just absolutely yeah top four yeah exactly chuffed to bits I think is a, gr- is a great summary of how all the town's fans left in it and it was fun as well there was a lot of chanting wasn't there as we left the ground yeah so it was going on all, all down the streets past the police horses I thought one of these is going to get startled and trample <laughs> us but got away with it luckily so um, there you go and, and as we've been saying after all these things we weren't the only ones happy Paul Hurst was, was obviously much more happy <laughs> in his post-match than he was against Gillingham yeah so he said so, um, so yeah it was very pleasing and we started well uh, and then they had their three efforts um, and you wonder what it was going to be like but we got through that small period and then we're on top real effort from the players against a good yep. side um, I'm ad-libbing a bit here because some of his um, sentences were very Yorkshire so words missing <laughs> um, so yeah had a few words to the players to remember what brought success obviously we mentioned that um, he said when he because interesting actually Paul Hurst was in a, in a out of his technical area when we scored and he did, he's having a word with a fourth official <laughs> No, um, so he said he was in an amazing position. So he said he was right behind it. He knew it was going in. And um, then he turned to see the box and you could tell that um we turned to our um away dugout um, and you could see that our um our staff had a, a worse angle than him and you could see there was yeah. a delayed reaction. So he knew we'd scored and, and he could see that the staff hadn't scored and you no know, didn't know we'd scored yet. <laughs> so it was quite fun. So that was good. Um, he mentions the pitch again. Um, oh, okay. And then also, but then on a positive, and with no pressing or no questions, he went and said we had a very, very uh, vocal away following, which is really pleasing and really happy he could send us away happy. So that was good. I hope he realises how good it was. No, he know, did, and he said it was our fans. Yeah, he said he said it was our fans. He said he said it was our fans you could hear all game, um, and he was yeah he was very complimentary about the fans. Mm. And he came over again, <laughs> didn't he, with a for a big clap as he always does. Well, yeah, I got I got a good video of all the f- final celebrations again on the Blue and Amber fanzine account that you might want to read tweet after this podcast so people can have a look at it but yeah it's a minute of, of the celebrations and he's very very you know coming over to the fans to appreciate them which is which is which is what he does every week which is why those con- comments from the week before are a little bit out of context for him really because you know i've been to most games this season i can't remember him not coming and clapping the fans once to be honest with you so you just there we go. these things these things matter to touch some fans don't they yeah. they really do so yeah so i think it's just worth having a, f- a few words we've spoken a lot about shrewsbury um, in this section of the pod um but mm. i thought um just a few comments from the chartered manager so um so carl robinson said that um his um, team had a very valuable lesson from shrewsbury which I thought was quite um, <laughs> humble. Um, he said, we weren't good enough today and they were the better team. We didn't carry out our game plan properly. We wanted to change our style. We wanted a bit more direct and play behind them. And he said, we knew their midfield was dominant and they dominated us. So I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, I saw that. It's like, we know we knew what they were going to do to us. Yeah. But then you let us do it anyway. Yeah. So well done. And he said, and, he, and this is my favourite line. We got old school today, which I just take as <laughs> a massive compliment. He said, we ran, they ran past us and they won every second ball. So, yeah, it was good. Um, and he said, I told the players they need to drop their egos because they're a good team and we want to play a certain way, but you can't do it all the time. So he was very complimentary about um, us. And then their fans, I thought, I thought, Charlton fans, in terms of, you know, we've had a lot of stick from Wigan and Blackburn and Oldham and loads of, always the teams actually have struggled to kind of cope with us beating them. And I would say that yeah. um, the Charlton fans were very humble 
um, very fair, very complimentary, um, and it just showed what a class bunch of fans they are. Good. Yeah, I, I think their fans are all right, aren't they, to be fair? I, I say there was a lot of complimentary stuff, probably the most I've seen from a, yeah, exactly. another fan base all season, to be honest with you. Um, and, and we've got to play them as well, yeah, which is interesting, because I, I, if, if they're not going to go at it in any kind of different way, I'd back us to win that home game, to be honest with you, So as long as the pitch is better by then. So, yeah, we've, we've got another date with Charlton fans, haven't we, which will be interesting, so... They would hate to lose both games to us. I think that would be a, a kick in the teeth to a team like Charlton, wouldn't it? But there we go. It's interesting what you said about running, though. I was just, I was just thinking I was listening to it. I, th- I believe that Chris Skitt listened to this or he has listened to some episodes of it. If he's listening to this, can someone at Shrewsbury Town, or anyone at Shrewsbury Town, um, whether it's Witters when he listens to this to check whether we've been saying the right things, um, if anyone at Shrewsbury Town listening, can you release some stats about how far our players run in a game? I'd be incredibly interested to know because it, it does feel like we, we just cover miles and miles. And I'd, just, I'd love to know. I'd love to know how much Beckles go. runs, yeah, <laughs> compared yeah, to the exactly. players. And all how much a go-go runs in a game? Does he do half a marathon a game, do you reckon? That's what I mean. It feels like it must be six or seven And miles, then they finish you know, like the that. game, Paul Hurst is doing the post-match, and the players are running again. So there's that swimming analogy we used earlier on in the season where you know swimmers train to swim, like, I don't know, um, Adam, Adam Peaty, he does 100 metres, trains to swim flat out for 120, 130 metres. Uh, oh god! Yeah, yeah, and we do, and we seem to be able to do the same. We just keep on going. No, considering that's at the end of a week where we've been moaning about players being ill all week. Yeah. Jesus Christ, you wouldn't have thought I anyone know. was anything but 100 percent fit, would you? So. And the interesting bit there as well is the one thing I was just looking ahead at our fixtures. So our next, um, our, all of our league games in March um, are all go through. We go to Saturday games. So obviously we've got the Sheffield trade coming up, but then we've got um, we've got the third of March, the tenth of March, seventeenth, twenty fourth, and then the thirtieth, which is the Friday, Good Friday. Mm. So now we go mm. back to um, just playing Saturdays. So yeah, we've gone through this. That's yeah, we've gone through this really tight part period now, and now we're going to get to going back to Saturdays again, which gives us a lot more time and gives Skitty time to work on the players. So yeah, very yeah, very positive after a positive. couple of tough results and tough games to take at home. Um, yeah, we, we we're on a, a massive high again. We are. I think we'll leave the we'll leave the match action there. I mean, it's been a long podcast, but it's been so much interesting things gone on this week. I think it's been probably the most interesting week this season in some respects. Gonna, we're gonna, probably going to say that every week now because there's a build up. Yeah. But to have had, had that negative result, the poor host comments, and then a, a comeback like that feels like a massive, massive week in the season. There we go. We shall we shall move on to predictions and talk about it next week. Tini's ball in the dangerous and set pieces, and that's crept in as well. Looks like Drummond got the final touch to it, and Shrewsbury Town are ahead within three minutes. So, predictions, Ollie. Uh, we were both negative again last yeah. week. We went for a 1 1 draw, which, to be honest with you, would have still been a pretty good result. It would have been be a good result. Um, but we were nowhere near getting a 1 1. We were more likely to get a 3 0. So, um, yeah, there we go. No points for us either last week, and um, yeah, you're still free ahead in the prediction league. So. Yeah, we'll move on to talking about Peterborough in a minute, Ollie. But I think before we get to that, we kind of need to go through this week in, in a bit more of an interesting um, thought, really. Because, you know, we're sitting here on Sunday night now, and I've just been watching Sky News before we did the podcast, and there's all sorts of weather warnings out, isn't there, yeah. about snow and, and certainly about sub-zero temperatures, whether we get that much snow in Shrewsbury or not. Um, it's fairly irrelevant. But um, I've already been looking on, I was looking on Twitter this afternoon about some football clubs basically, you know, covering all the, or our pitches are covered completely now. And, you know, Bristol Rovers went there the other day, their their game got called off and then they're worried about it. And um, I can't see there being many games <laughs> being played either Tuesday or potentially next Saturday, Ollie, to be honest with you. So we're going to, we're going to talk about this week in the context of what might happen. But I, I think it's fair to say to town fans to keep an eye on the weather because, even if we do play on Tuesday night um, and you go in and you're not boycotting, um, you're likely to be freezing to death in like minus eight or nine <laughs> and with a wind chill minus 14, 15 degrees. So it's not enjoyable to watch football in that weather, is it? So yeah, it's going to be an interesting week, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly will. I think, well, Tuesday night, I'm 
I'm unlikely to to make it. I've got to be in London on Monday in the day, and then again on Wednesday. So that's a lot of travelling. So I think I'll watch it from home. The comforts of my own oh, house yeah. on Tuesday night. But yeah, the the weather warning keeps to be changing because I thought it was going to snow on Tuesday, and I was thinking ah, I might have a few days working from home. But then they've changed it to Thursday. So yeah, God knows what's going to happen. Um, I think we have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Worth it. I mean, I feel bad for in these in these respects, similar to when we went to Char- Carlisle. That game got called off in Carlisle for a frozen pitch an hour before kickoff that one night which I've talked about on the podcast before but you know Yeovil fans have got a similarly horrible hopefully they won't do that hopefully they'll do it early if they're going to call it off I hope they call yeah. it off early and, 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 and that sort of thing and I think that generally with with TV games they tend to call them off a yeah, little bit early do. so you don't get so much going on so yeah we'll have to keep an eye on what happens tomorrow really Um, so there we go but if it does happen then you know you've got the Czech trade one game from Wembley and, and all of the you know excitement that some people are getting about that I, still, I've seen that they've only sold like a very small amount of tickets so far, so I'm still thinking if they get three to four thousand, um, that'd be pretty yeah, amazing. It's unlikely. I think they might get a few tank. boosters after Saturday, but um, yeah, yeah, I think it's unlikely. And then and we move on to Saturday. So we do uh, interesting, we do. interesting tweet from Toronto Shrews. Um, so he's asked the question: You know, is there pressure? You know, in terms of our form at home, is there is there a lot of home pressure? And also, you know, will will the pitch be better? And with the weather, it's unlikely. Yeah, it's an interesting question, isn't it? What's been the What's been a bigger problem for our last few home performances? Pressure from the fans or the pitch? For me, it's the pitch. It's obviously the pitch. Yeah. I don't think there has even been that much pressure from the fans. You know, not an intense overawing pressure there's been that negativity that Hurst talked about somewhat but that doesn't come across in the games to be perfectly honest with you the pitch definitely has affected the way we play at home um, we just can't play that that style that we're playing away from home and Hurst has struggled to find a way to kind of win games not using our tried and trusted approach so it's going to be interesting you know the, the pitch has been covered since Friday last week Ollie so they're, they're hoping a lot more grass grows through over that and they protect it from the frosts so that was the plan I was reading the, the groundsman's report on it um, so maybe it's recovered a little bit, but I, ca- I can't see it being that much difference to last Tuesday to between, you know, in a, in a week's time. Maybe it will, but I can't help but think the pitch is probably going to be trouble until at least sort of late March when we get through this next period yeah. of cold weather, um, which doesn't help us, does it, unfortunately? No. So interesting. So Adam Lawrence, one of the um, the groundsmen, um, was tweeting about the pitch and I asked him if the grass was growing yet. And he said, no, it's um, it needs the warmer nights. Um, so <laughs> he's not going to get that this no, week. No, he's not. He's having a bit of dry at least because it has been raining a lot. So at least it's drier. But yeah, we need a bit of warm weather. And obviously, the first of March is technically the start of spring, but um, it ain't going to be. Spring has been delayed a few weeks. So yeah, hopefully we can. Um, by the time we get into mid-March, hopefully we'll have a bit of sun. Hopefully by the time we yeah, sorry, Golly. And if the covers are on and they, they and it snows this week and we've got the covers on from Friday to next Friday, I can't imagine that helps the grass no. not seeing the sun for a week. So. Who knows what state it'll be in by the time we get through this spell. So fingers crossed the groundsmen, you know, they work hard, those guys, they to do. be fair to them. They deserve a lot of credit. Um, and, you know, they've had a lot of issues to deal with. I know I've had a pop at the pitch and the training pitch a couple of times, but, I, you know, I can understand now how this weather's dragging into March. Yeah, now. and you see Bristol Rovers who laid a new pitch. They've having games called off. Um, and Rod- Rochdale, obviously, famously, have got a new pitch. Um, so, yeah, so, so with all that, what's your prediction? If it happens. Yeah, what's your prediction? I predict snow. <laughs> no, um... <laughs> I mean, yeah, we went. To the, I went to the Peterborough game. I can't remember if you were there now. And obviously, they were very impressive, Ollie, um, at their place. And they've got a lot of good players. Um, and then they scored that wonder goal, and Hendo made that one mistake. If you remember, he cleared it out and, and sort of caught. Yeah, out that goal, was a freak shot. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was really impressed with Peterborough. So I think they're tough. Um, and I just think with all the sort of negatives at home and bits and pieces, I think that a decent. I think that a draw against Peterborough wouldn't be a bad result. I tell you what, Peterborough love a draw. So um, the last four games they've drawn. So they drew with Gillingham, drew with um, Scunthorpe, drew with Blackpool, and drew with AC Wimbledon. So the, but they're drawing mm. against the teams that are 
let's say Paul. yeah not not top <laughs> six um yeah. so i i think i'll go first i think i think we're gonna win 2-1 good man I'm going to go for 1-1, one, one, and I'm going to say that we go our next home win again. I think we're Warsaw at home after that. Oh, we, we never beat be Warsaw. I'd, I want us... Ah, if we can that, win... We never do lots of things this season, and we keep doing it. I know, we do. I know. <laughs> I just... I was thinking when we are on the way back on the long train journey um, home, I was looking at the fixtures, and I was, I was just thinking to myself, I want us to beat Warsaw. We've got to beat them. <laughs> Every season, we used to always be lose... We used to always get them in the FA Cup and lose. I really, really want us to beat Warsaw. So that's jumping ahead of God. Especially as we should have beat them at their I place know. as well, shouldn't we? so frustrating. So, yeah, I'm going for 2-1. You're going for one all. Um, yep. And yeah, Either of them would be good, though. Interestingly, it's the very top of the tight table, isn't it? So, um, so Blackburn are top... 34 games, 69 points. Shrewsbury, 34 games, 68 points. And then Wigan with 31 games, 66 points. Um, Rotherham with um, only four points behind Wigan now. And then there's a bit of a gap to Scunthorpe. Mm. Um, and they're, they're supposed to be, they're, they've both got a league game on Tuesday night. Whether that happens again or not is the interesting thing. I think that it'd do us a favour all the games getting called off this week, to be honest. I think it would help. But yeah, it's interesting that us and Blackburn, Scunthorpe will play 35 games. Um, but then, yeah, you obviously now got Wigan and. Let's be honest. That you know, you get those game in hands. It's very rare for the team to get four, four maximum points from those games because they're going to get our march is going to be one game per week. They're going to have to do a lot of catching up. Yeah, they did beat Man City though. To be fair, it does seem a little bit unfair that we're trying to rival them to. For I know it's play, funny, but... isn't it? But <laughs> they are our rivals this season. So yeah, they've got. Oh, um, so they've got at the moment in their fixture list. They've got um, just one Wednesday night game against Bradford City. Um, okay. on the 14th of March um, and then they got the FA Cup game on Saturday the 17th um, so they're going to be even further behind so we're going to have the we're going to sorry Warsaw are going to have um, the 17th of March off um, mm. so um, yeah it's going to be interesting to see where they're going to be at the end of March and how many games they have in hand it's quite likely they might be trying to play catch up in April but we, especially as there's, is, it's the Blackburn Wigan game at Blackburn yeah. within the next week or two, isn't it? And if if Blackburn ended up beating Wigan in that, they would have a big old gap to catch up to Blackburn, and it might even send them over the edge a bit. Which it we must be, be on TV that one. It's a midday kickoff on the fourth Sunday the fourth. You think so? You think so? Yeah, I don't know. There we go. Well, anyway, it's 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 all exciting. It is <laughs> big running. It starts now. Well, it's started since about January, hasn't it? But um. Yeah, it was a good week all in all, I think, in general, if you look at where we've ended up. So, yeah, happy days, Ollie. And, um, yeah, I'm going to watch the Czech Trade game on TV, and I'm sure we'll be back at the Meadow next Saturday if it's all on. And um, I'm sure you'll do the same. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch everyone next week, Cheers, Ollie. guys. Thanks for listening. Oh!